FM 104 is switched on and I'm joined by Eamon Breen. Hello. How you doing? How are you? I'm very good. So you're one of two brothers who took part in the Atlantic Challenge 2023. 3,000 miles to Antigua. Tell me, where did this all begin? It, 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 it sounds so simple when you say 3,000 miles to Antigua. I'm, I'm still in the same place. Of it, it, was sure, it was only 3,000 miles. Mm-hmm. But it goes back, it originally goes back maybe 15, 20 years in, in Andrew's head, in, in my brother's head. Um, he's rowing along the Irish coast that long. Um, and two of his original rowing coaches from Arklow Town, where we're from, were a bro- another brother team that t- did this exact same race in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as of then, Andrew would always say he kind of had had a little plan seeded that he knew about the race and he'd want to do it at some stage. It was one of the, the next levels of rowing, his rowing career that he wanted to, to take off. Um, so that's been there for quite a while, but he would have, he, he kind of never really mentioned it. I've only, I, I wasn't in the rowing community. I've, I've picked up, I've learned to row as part of this. Wow. But I know he, back in, I think it was November 2020, he commented on someone on Facebook who was about to do the race. And his comment was along the lines of, best of luck, I'm hoping to do it myself someday. Mm-hmm. And I had a little comment, sure, you might, you might convince me to do that. <laughs> Not knowing what that was, <laughs> you'd actually signed <laughs> up. <laughs> so he rang me. He rang me fairly quickly, explained what it was, did a bit of homework, uh, and I thought, yeah, that's that's a, a good challenge to kind of put your mind to something that's it's difficult but not impossible, and it kind of puts you once once you complete it because it's not it's not a guarantee to complete it. It puts you in a fairly small um, pool of people to have completed it. And I think in uh, up to maybe 2,000 people have only ever done this, which is actually four times more people have climbed Everest than have, have crossed an ocean run. That's insane um, to think so about. It's, it's, uh, and uh, having done it now, uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out, I'm still trying to appreciate that, to be honest. How much training did you need to put in then to kind of catch up with Andrew? Um, not physical training, as in fitness-wise, we'd have been fairly similar on the level of fitness and, and uh hours put in and things like that but on the scale of of, of rowing I'll never catch up on them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned to row and I kind of how okay. efficiently to row uh, and then I put in 4 million metres on my or on my Concept 2 org in my home gym <laughs> so just hours and hours and hours of yeah. uh, gym and then as many hours as we could do in our own boat on the Irish Sea we, we would have trained out of out of Arklow using the um, the sailing club in Arklow to um, store a boat on their own club to help help us launch it. So we we had as many hours as possible as we could with the main basis of getting used to life on the boat. It wasn't specifically rowing the boat, it was life on the boat, how you eat, sleep, cook, use, use the toiletry facilities, those kind of things mm-hmm. that that you just have to be comfortable with. Uh, the, the physical fitness was done in the gym. 42 days on the boat. Describe to us what the boat was like that you spent so much time on. Yeah, so the boat is uh, it's specifically designed as an ocean rowing boat. It was about seven, I'd say about, it was 7.3 metres long uh, and one and a half metres wide. Uh, there's a cabin space, a cabin slash storage space on, on each end. Uh, and then the, the middle of the boat was, was wide open where you would have two rowing positions and you're out, out in the open on, on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we would what we did then was we and it, it's normal within this type of race is we took shifts we took two hour shifts so I would row for two hours and Andrew would eat sleep 
uh, communicate, do whatever need, what it needed to do in those two hours, and then he then he'd swap in, and I'd eat, sleep, rest, whatever it needs to be, and that's twenty four hours a day. So we would keep going twenty four hours a day, unless weather permit or weather was too dangerous or in the wrong direction, where we would just have to have to stop and wait. Um, but that's the, the idea of it is there should always be someone rowing that boat in the direction of Antigua. Was there any situations that arose that you weren't kind of expecting? Uh, um, I suppose the size of the size and scale of the weather yeah. um, is not something that we could have possibly trained for because it would have been too dangerous to train for too near to land. And that, that weather conditions, just based on the, the, the weather that happened this year, hit fairly quickly with this in this year's race. Within two days, we were in massive seas, really strong winds, and like the seas were 20, 30, 40-foot waves. So you're, you're looking at the size of a, a two, three-story building coming at you in in waves. So you, you see one, you look, you're literally looking straight up in the air at a ball of water. Wow. You go over it, and then another one comes, and another one comes. Uh, and at this stage, there's really strong winds and stuff as well. So that was um, scary at times, but uh, luckily it was it was all going in the right direction. So it was pushing us along. So we were getting we were getting really fast. But you had to be very very careful that you kept the boat pointing in the right direction. That you were kind of always on watch for any any rogue waves that would come in from the side, or or even any other boats because with, with waves that side that height. Uh, your visibility is very low because you're constantly up and down on the waves. Yeah. And um, so you, you wouldn't see another boat if it was if it was that close. You had to kind of be wide awake when you were out on deck to uh, be be on watch and row whenever it allowed. There's been a couple of other teams that I've been following over the last couple of weeks as well who like that got hit by weather, but unfortunately their boats didn't withstand. So it's kind of a scary thing to approach and quite an unusual challenge to approach. It is, and I, it, it, as I said, I, I didn't know anything about this when I signed up to it. But this was three years ago, and it, the amount of of research and uh, training and preparation we put into it, whether that be using different uh, machinery and the tools and, and processes on board, doing safety courses, kind of first aid, navigation, um, using radios, communication, things like that. The amount of the amount of uh, new skills we've learned to allow us across the ocean in, in 42 days is, is unbelievable um, and all, all of which were kind of tailored to arm us as best as possible uh, to get across safely but as I said there's no guarantee you could you could get hit by a wave or you could get hit by weather or you could have equipment failure or anything like that and that was probably I suppose that was probably one of the things that challenged me at times uh, on, on a mental basis because I suppose a lot of it challenge that would be put on this is not so much not so much a physical challenge even though you say it's, it's rowing 24 hours for mm. six plus weeks it's a mental challenge yeah uh, it's, it's how you deal with sleep deprivation how you deal with the sickness how you deal with there is no way of getting off this thing other than keep going uh, the only way to get off is if there's a medical emergency uh, or some kind of an emergency and you need to call another boat to come get you and that's the last thing if you literally have to get out yeah, and you're, you're it's a very dangerous position if you do have to get saved because you could have a significantly large boat, two, three hundred meter long boat, trying to get close to your boat in bad weather and, and rescue you off it. Not an easy thing to do. Um, but if we go back to it, like there's there's so much we learned on it and put 
put time and effort into it to arm us and equip us as best as possible. And I can look back now and, and say that that obviously paid off, but it was luck at play as well. That that last day coming into Antigua, what was that like? That was as, as Andrew would say, Andrew was termed that as hell on earth. That was as that was as close to uh, as close as we would want to, or as dangerous as we would have wanted. Mm-hmm. And and I suppose maybe some of it is we were we were trying not to count down too early. As in to, to think about the finish because that's just mental torture yeah. if you start thinking about the finish. But once we got to less than a thousand miles to go, less than five hundred miles to go, mm. in, in miles in reducing miles, and also because we were in a race and there was thirty-eight boats in the race, there was teams ahead of us starting to finish. So and we we were in thirteenth place at that point in time. So we started to count up in the number of boats that finished as well. So we kind of thought, okay, well. If we're thirteenth and the first, the third, second, the third are finished, well, we're next soon. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So we we probably allowed our mindset to get to oh we're nearly finished. Yeah. Um. Um. The sea isn't finished with you until you get off at the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she proved it to us that <laughs> last twenty four hours that we we what we would term we got knocked down ten times in the space of of twenty four hours, oh. which is which is as close to capsizing ten times as it gets without capsizing. So the boat, uh, large waves will come in at different types of angles and the boat would tilt 90 plus degrees. So we're like hanging on, trying not to fall out. And the boat would uh, as close to capsize and then flip back on its side again. Wow. And then and, and then it would then turn into the waves and we would have a big challenge and a process to get it back to the direction we wanted to go to, take advantage of the wind and the uh, and the waves. But for that to happen uh, 10 times plus in the space of 24 hours is, is nowhere near normal. And it just kind of proved the uh, strength of the conditions we were in. How did it feel like when you reached land? Oh, amazing. Mm. <laughs> but for, for multiple reasons, the, the relief of uh, not having to go through that again, the relief of mm. we actually did it, we're three years planning this and we did it. And we had family over there, mum and dad, um, wives and kids were there. A couple of friends were there, uh, friends within their own community were there, and just seeing them, like obviously tears started flowing straight away. Yeah. Um, just to, to to kind of the release of tension and stuff like that um, was amazing. And just step, stepping off was a bit wobbly. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. The knees were a bit wobbly, uh, but that didn't take too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was it was try and let it digest, try and uh, appreciate what you've done. And I'm still on what a week a week since about a week since we came in and I probably still don't appreciate it yeah. fully it'll probably take um, a while I'd probably say. still kind of just fobbing it off as after we just did so <laughs> you also uh, did it for charity as well didn't you yeah so we did the, the um, we worked with Make-A-Wish and First Light so Make-A-Wish um, I, I've worked with them previously before I like what they do just love the, the way they can help families that have, have difficulties at any point in time and, and the impact they can have with the kids um, and then First Light is the charity arm of the Sudden Infant Death Association. So we wanted to, we wanted to try and help out two charities, mm-hmm. and because we're this was a, obviously a very large family element to it. Our eldest brother Rory died of cot death back in 1975. Okay. Um, so we we spoke with Mum and Dad at the time and said, uh, "What what charity would you have worked with or or was available to you at the time?" Mm-hmm. And it was it was the ISIDA. And their charity arm is, is first place. We've made contact with them and we've tried to make it a difference or help help raise awareness for um, families who, who might have 
uh, child bereavement and, and need people to talk to and they don't know they're either don't know they're there they're there or the, the, the charity might be able to help in, in, in more detail or more levels. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so it was, nice, it was nice and we, we named our boat Rory as well so oh, it worked out brilliant. So, so Rory came with us he, he helped us get across. Oh, amazing. I love <laughs> that. Have you any other challenges prepared? Are you looking ahead to any more? Uh, not yet. <laughs> Which it actually the, generally what people would say is, is there will be a downer mm. from spending three years planning this. You'd finish the line and then it's done. And uh, to, to kind of have a think of what's next, uh, what what will be next for us now will be we'll return to the the, the annual offshore coastal rowing season with Wicklow Rowing Club on the east coast of Ireland. Great. So that will that that'll start now once the legs allow us to sit on a rowing machine again. Yeah. Um, but the the next challenge of this scale, I haven't entered it, and um, I'll have to be careful what I do, what I ask about at home as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much I get away with <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well congratulations absolutely amazing achievement I definitely couldn't do it Eamon Breen thank you so much for chatting to us cheers thanks man